Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome or welcome back to another episode of Sensation Nation. As always, with every single week, another exciting topic to talk about. Exciting for a lot of people, probably not as exciting for some, which is why I want to kind of bring this topic to the forefront today. And it is the subject of bearded leaders. I saw a meme the other day uh, and I thought it was kind of funny, but at the same time, it was very real. And it said, Uncle Sam has a beard, but he doesn't want me to have one. And for me, I was like, man, that's actually kind of powerful. It's quite powerful. And before I start talking about this subject and before I introduce the guest that I'm going to have to help me talk about it, I need to say up front, I literally have no skin in the game. And, and, I, and I say that with a pun intended, because I can very barely grow facial hair as it is. It's actually difficult. You know, after about a month or so, you might be able to see a little peach fuzz. So uh, I am still passionate about it, though, because I have friends for a fact that have had these issues with not being able to wear a beard or having to use magic shave or just scarring their face and just things like that. So uh, it is a very interesting and sometimes controversial uh, topic, uh, which is exactly why I kind of want to talk about it. So my next goal was to figure out who am I going to have to help me unpack this and talk about this a little bit. And uh, this gentleman is someone that, again, uh, it seems to be the routine around here. I have not met in person, but I feel like I know him uh, because I, I've been following him and watching him from afar on social media platforms and things like that. And I have watched the passion just pour out of him with regard to the subject of being able to have beards in the military. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, can you help me uh, kind of talk about this, this this subject and this topic and just help me just figure out, you know, what the sticking point is with regard to beards in the military or not. So with that, I, I want to introduce our, our next guest. It's going to be Dear Beloved. He goes by DB. He is a colonel in the United States Air Force, and he uh, graciously gave me some of his time because he, he is in Oman, Jordan right now. It is uh, hours ahead of me right now, but he actually is so passionate and dedicated with regard to this subject that he agreed to come on and help to talk about it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show colonel dear beloved sir welcome to the show hey thank you thank you henry and uh i love your show sensation as you said we haven't met but i certainly feel like i know you as well through all the uh, important issues and topics you take on and the great leaders that you interview i know you're doing this to make a difference and and that resonates with me um so i want to thank you for for having the foresight and the vision to uh invite me on an important topic. I really appreciate it and I feel uh, honored and hope that I can do justice uh, to this issue today, um, particularly knowing how many people out there are working hard on it, like Dr. Uh, John Cordell with the Navy, um, Dr. Simon Ritchie with the Air Force, and Senior Master Sergeant Gadiel Israel, who runs the DOD Beard Action Initiative. Mm. Uh, Facebook group. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. Awesome. And we're going to dive right into it. But before we begin, uh, I already know that you're more than qualified. You're well qualified as a leader, first of all. So, you know, the word that you kind of leave with us today, it's it's warranted. So uh, I want to give an opportunity for you. If you could just kind of give us a brief rundown of what your current roles and responsibilities are. Yeah, sure. Um, I would say uh, don't have a lot of roles and responsibilities right now. I used to be a commander and a director of operations, and those those come with huge roles and responsibilities. But right now, my job is to go to class. So I'm I'm a student and a, and a colonel in the Air Force, as you said, uh, going to class in Amman, Jordan, 
for senior development education at the Royal Jordanian National Defense College. Uh, and prior to this, I was uh, a co-lead for one of the Department of the Air Force Barrier Analysis Working Groups. And I also worked uh, at the White House as a senior advisor for three years. So I've, I've had some really amazing opportunities uh, to make a difference. And it's also helped me become a lot more familiar with the topic of beards. Very nice. Very nice. So with that, we might as well just hop right into it. We're going to dive right into it. I'm going to just open it up and rip the Band-Aid off right now. I'm going to ask you a question. Should beards be allowed in the military? Why or why not? Yeah, straight to the point. So uh, first off, just a quick disclaimer is that I don't speak for the DOD, obviously, uh, or the service components, the Department of Defense. So I, I'm I'm just going to give you my opinion and my perspective based on my experiences, uh, 26 plus years wearing the uniform in one way, shape, form or another, um, and hearing from so many uh, military service members over the years on this topic, as well as my dad, who served in the Air Force. So I would say to your question, the first thing is beards are allowed by exception already. And that that's the the devil's in the details there. So for if you have a medical or a religious medical waiver or profile or a religious accommodation, you can have a beard in the military today. And that, that goes for all services. Um, if it's a medical waiver, it's typically going to be an authorization for a quarter inch beard. And usually to prevent pseudophilicolitis barbae, which is a, a skin condition. And we'll talk more about that uh, because some of the some of the services consider it more than condition, a disease. And I, I kind of take a front with that. Um, religious accommodations can allow for longer beards. So if you see a two-inch beard out there, for example, it's probably someone with a religious accommodation. But the more common is to see a quarter-inch beard, and those members have an exception to the policy. Now, if we modify the question. Should beards be allowed for all service members um, as a baseline in the military? In my opinion, and many others, the answer to that question is yes. And, and you asked why. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons. You know, number one, it's good for morale. Uh, it's good for mental health. I've seen so many stories of people who, who uh, have pain shaving or have a disfigured face from shaving uh, or just don't look right. And they feel so much better once they have a beard. And then we all know how important mental health is as an issue for our senior leaders today. Absolutely. It's also, yeah, go ahead. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, it's also of a minimal impact, I think, for readiness. You know, readiness always comes up. We're the military. We have to be ready to go to war. We have to be ready to deter war. Uh, lethality and readiness are very important. And uh, the data shows that this is a very minimal impact, if any, to readiness. The other thing is it's good for recruiting. Um, we've heard a lot of stories, and I'll tell you, my dad, when I was joining the military, he told me, don't shave close because you're going to mess up your face and mess up your skin. Now, like you, I actually don't have any skin in the game. Uh, when I was younger, I, I think I may have had some razor bumps, but I've never had a serious case of them. And I have uh, a way of shaving that allows me to to shave clean. However, that's because I'm a mixed person. So my I have some Caucasian hair in me versus just African. My dad's African American. My my mom is from Iceland, Germany. So I'm fortunate that I'm not afflicted with curly hair that, that comes into the skin when I shave closely. But I've talked to many others who have no control over that. Um, this is a barrier. 
So that's the other reason we should allow it is because it is a barrier. And, and I'm sure you'll want to hear more about that. But it's a barrier. It's going to get rid of discrimination. It's going to get rid of the stigma. It's going to get rid of the harassment. Because mm. leaders can harass you all the time and ask you for your waiver. Now, there have been some changes to minimize that, but it's still going on. And I, I think people just need to focus on the mission and, and instead of looking at, hey, what's on someone's God-given face, right? Let's just get back to the mission. The second yeah. part... Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, I, I had a, a buddy that I joined uh, the Marine Corps with. I served in the Marine Corps in a different life. Um, and we went to high school together, basic training together, stationed together. And he, he's, he's a friend uh, that I kept and still have for life. Uh, retired Master Sergeant from the United States Marine Corps, actually. Uh, but when we were a junior uh, Marines um, and, you know, we were going through the whole shaving thing, I actually watched him shuffer, uh, suffer for, for a while. You know, he's a a gentleman of a darker complexion and watching him to struggle back and forth with, you know, using magic shave or just trying to push through and shave over razor bumps. And meanwhile, you've got folks coming through with ID cards, seeing if you shaved close enough. And uh, it was actually damaging uh, to his skin. And so I, I hear you when you talk about the actual meta medical ramifications associated with um, folks having to try to press through that. So it is definitely a real struggle out there for sure. And I, I will say, uh, I've heard uh, conversations and it was kind of exciting to watch, you know, folks like yourself kind of get after these things. And it seemed to be uh, at the forefront of everyone's minds and everyone's brains for a while there, uh, especially, for instance, when uh, Chief Wright was the chief master of the Air Force. I know uh, that was a hot topic of discussion. And I saw an interview, I think, last year uh, after he served in that role. And I think he was asked a question of, you know, would you have made a decision differently to allow it had you had all the, the information that you have now? And I think his answer was yes, you know, but I think yes. his concern was that when it was being presented to him, uh, it was kind of presented more with a uh passion than facts, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, we want beards, and there was really no facts behind it. And it seems to kind of just fade out a little bit now, and maybe it's just me. I just don't see that conversation happening as much. And I and that kind of brings me to my next question, um, because right now, I hear it, right? I see it, I hear it, and I'm sure you do as well. What would you say to those people out there that are going, you know, these social issues and these quality of life issues are distracting. You know, our strategic guidance says, you know, whether you're talking national defense strategy, national security strategy, national military strategy. They're all talking about getting after, you know, the pacing threat of China, the acute threat of Russia, you know, or, or VOs, violent extremist organizations. We need to figure out how to become stronger in the military and how to compel these people to, you know, stop doing what they're doing or deter them from doing it. What would you say to those people that, that are saying all of these social and quality of life issues are distracting and it's making our military weaker? We just need to focus on being a strong military. How would you respond to that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I have a response. And, and real quick, on, on Chief Master and the Air Force Khalif Wright, since you mentioned him, uh, I did meet with him after he retired. And, and I, I just wanted to know what his take was on beards. And, and I, I talked with him about the data. And he told me the exact same thing he, that, that, that uh, you mentioned. And he also said, he said, this, is, this, is, this isn't about lethality or readiness. He said, this is, this is about the perception that we have young males, really young black males bucking the system. And, and I asked him for his support, his public support on, on this issue. And he said, 
I had one question for him. He said, um, are you willing to lose your job over this? And I said, that's what I've been doing my whole career. I'm not going to stop now. And he said, then you have my support. So it just goes to show um, how institutionally rooted we are in the clean shaving culture. And, and, and that's what it's going to take is passionate folks to, to change that culture. So to the question as, as to how, how we deal with, hey, yeah, let's get back to, to the mission and stop focusing on all these distractors. Um, let's, let's start with Napoleon. I'll go back to Napoleon. So Napoleon led a great army, a diverse army from many countries over many centuries. And he won a lot of battles and is arguably one of the world's greatest conquerors. And he said, he had a quote that the moral is to the physical as is three to one. The moral is to the physical as is three to one. In other words, all that physical stuff, killing the bad guys, lethality is important. But he considered everything else three times more important because in order to get there, you have to assemble a team. In order to get there, you have to lead a team. In order to get there, people have to feel included in order to reach their full potential, in order to perform better than the person on the other side of the line. And so this beard issue is one that has been impacting particularly um, Black service members for over a century. We're talking about a lack of equal opportunity and a lack of fair treatment. Uh, I talked about this in an op-ed in, in the Air Force Times titled, It's Time for Another Truman Moment in the Military with Beards. Uh, because African-Americans, and, and now more broadly, see, when, when waivers first were introduced into the military, the only people on waivers were Blacks. That's changed today. So now you'll see... 70% of the waivers probably going to blacks. The 30% are going to people who are not black because they feel more comfortable going. Every, any race can be afflicted by pseudo-fluclitis barbae, but the black race is far more afflicted because of the nature of the curly hair. And as a result, we have this secondary, I'd call it a convenient discrimination or secondary discrimination. It's not direct discrimination, but it's an institutional policy and culture that happens to impact blacks more than any other race by the tune of about 70%. And so if you want, I can get into the details of, of why that is and how Please. blacks have been invisible. Yeah, so it, it, it starts with, I talked about opportunity, denial of opportunity. So I wanna first say the Air Force has done a whole lot in the last two years uh, to break down some of these barriers. We're not fully there, but I want to give them credit. But I do want to talk about what those barriers are because they were in place for almost a century and there have impacts that last today and that service members serving today have been under and other services. I'm not sure they're as far along as the Air Force in breaking down those barriers. So one of the biggest ones is recruiting, Military training instructor duty, honor guard, bands, any other kind of special duty, public affairs, appearing in, in photos, appearing in videos, even going to a town hall with a senior leader that visits the base or a distinguished visitor. Um, 
when you were put up for an award, and this is still happening today, by the way, it's it's happening last, but it's still happening. Uh, the the leadership of a squadron or a group or a wing saying, "Is that the one with the beard?" Wow, nope. can't can't put him up. Wow, you know, take this package away. Uh, flag detail at a football game or you know, like a nationally televised game. If you're on a waiver, you can't do it. Um, in the army, you know, there's a there's a a regulation that talks about the member has to be working to get off of the profile, even though it acknowledges that PFB in the same document, it acknowledges that PFB is a condition that will continue indefinitely. So how can you work to get off something that's indefinite, right? Um, so what happens is, for example, honor guard, if I do honor guard at the base level or at the Air Force level, typically I get a decoration at the end of it. And the decoration is in a, it's like an achievement medal or a combination medal, and it counts towards extra points at the promotion board. So if I have a decoration and the other guy doesn't, that might be all it takes to get me over the top to get promoted and the other guy doesn't. So when you have a lot of blacks being denied the opportunity to serve on honor guard, guess what happens? Hmm. You start to see that collectively blacks are being promoted slower. And Dr. Ritchie published a great study that shows that for members on shaving waivers of any race, um, promotion was delayed by the time they reached their mid-career point as a tech sergeant. Promotion was delayed on average almost a year just due to the fact that they had a waiver, not due to their overall performance. So I think that's important to understand that maybe some of our strong performers that would be needed on the battlefield, they're not getting promoted. So then you're maybe you're not promoting all the best leaders. So it, it comes back to readiness and lethality in the long term. Wow, this is a. I, I just have to. I, I literally just want to do a strategic pause there for a second because I'm listening to you talk, and I'm environment in environments a lot, um, where I have not been able to fully articulate why um, this beard uh, or no beard discussion is important and should be talked about, um, because I have always told people. That passion combined with facts is okay um, because you can be passionate about something. If you have the factual data to support it, that is 100% okay because people will listen to what you're saying because you have the factual data to support it and you're passionate. And that's what I see and hear when, I, when I'm talking to you right now. The one thing that I tell people, though, on the other side is that emotions and facts it's not okay uh, it, because the the facts get drowned out by emotion, and, and maybe that's what Chief Wright was kind of hearing as he went around mm -hmm. to different bases. He was hearing a bunch of emotional people like, "I need to have my beard," you know. But you know, when you can kind of articulate the the factual data as good and, and as well as you are doing to have real life cases cases and support to show that this is an actual issue, uh, to me, I think that folks have no choice but to hear it. Whether they want to hear it or not uh, may be a different story because I'm really passionate about uh, recruiting and retention. Uh, at last I've seen, we're at an 80-year low with regard to you know recruiting and retention right now. 
And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, there was a time when I used to go, well, you know what, if you don't want to conform to the standards, you know, the this service has been around for X amount of years and it's not going to change for you, then maybe you should go do something else. I used to think that way. Um, but now, as you can see right now, um, we have to make an adjustment. We have to make a change if we want to retain folks, if we want to recruit folks. It's no different than uh, at one point where the Air Force said you only have to have black or gray shoes for, for physical training or things like that. Well, guess what? It became very difficult to find those types of shoes on the, on the shelves in stores because they were all colorful. And the Air Force adjusted and they allowed those standards to be to be flexed a little bit. I want to ask you now, because I'm sure the, the, the listeners and viewers, they can see it, feel it and hear it just like I can. Um, we we kind of joked before about not being able to truly grow facial hair, you know, or whatnot. But what what makes you so passionate about this topic? You know, Chief Wright asked you, would you be willing to lose your job for this? And you have 100% unequivocally said, absolutely, uh, because you felt that it's the right thing to do. Where does that passion for this topic come from? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say I'm not passionate about beards. I don't have skin in the game for beards. I am passionate about leadership. And I see this as a leadership issue. I see it as not all our military service members feel included. Not all of our military service members feel that they can go through a career without being harassed for something that's outside their control. Not all of our service members feel visible. This is, you know, you talk about being part of the problem. I was part of the problem too when I was younger. Hey, you need to be clean shaven. You need to shave until I learned more about the issue. And, and Major General Bibb, I remember listening to him on, a, on another discussion uh, when he was a, a numbered Air Force commander. I think he's retired now. But he said, I was part of the problem. I, I, I was part of the problem and I was wrong and I wanna fix this. And he supported this issue as a result. I thought that was very brave because a, a lot of our senior leaders don't always feel willing to speak freely on issues like this, and he was able to do so. Um, but the reason I'm passionate about it is because I think all of our members need to be visible, and I'm a minority, right? And and we know that the military has disparities. The Air Force published a racial disparity report a few years ago. We know there are some unexplained reasons out there for why certain demographics are not advancing or promoting to senior ranks. And I think issues like this are the true cause. You got to look deep. And, and if I can't do Air Force ban, if I can't do Honor Guard, if I can't be involved in any kind of public affairs or media for the entirety of my career because of a waiver, because of my hair, well, guess what? That means I'm not seen. So when 70% of the waivers are going to Blacks, that has a net cumulative effect of blacks not being seen. And what does that knock on to? The recruiting and retention you talked about, particularly recruiting. Because if we're not seeing those blacks who are serving, if we're not seeing them in the visible places, you know, I was at the White House, um, the band plays at very high levels uh, and they're very visible and it's hard to see a person of color, right? Uh, then that has a, an effect on the young people looking to say, I want to be that guy. They don't see themselves as often and they're not able to be inspired to get mm. that propensity to serve. And also America's perception of who's serving in the military becomes skewed mm. because blacks mm. are not visible to the general public as much as other races. 
Hmm. That is huge. You know, what just came to mind as, as I listened to you talk was you, it is very difficult to be what you can't see. Um, that really just came to me. And, and I, I use myself as an example. Um, when the standards for hair um, was different, um, I was all about making sure you maintain a low haircut and, and, and so on and so forth which is okay uh, for folks that still do it today. Uh, but when the uh, DAF I 36 2903 uh, was adjusted, uh, I believe it went to two inches in bulk uh, for your hair. Uh, to me, that opened up opportunities for folks that look like me to wear mm-hmm. their hair more naturally, like I am wearing it right now. And I'll be honest with you, um, it felt like all eyes were on me uh, when I started letting my hair grow out just a little. And even so, even with the appearance right now, my hair is well below the two inches in bulk, but it just looks like it may not be because that's not what the eyes in the military have been used to seeing. Um, I remember someone that looked like me one day because I combed it out uh, and it was well below the two inches. It just had that appearance that it wasn't. And uh, I remember them saying, what, what are you doing? You, you, you're trying to get fired, right? <laughs> and I was like, I'm in Rex. And the reason I wore my hair that way was because I wanted those A1Cs, those senior airmen, those staff sergeants, tech sergeants to say, look at me and say, it's it's actually okay to actually utilize the reg as it's written, which is correct. And I can actually mm-hmm. do it and not feel bad about it. And for me, I hear you talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, you wanted to make sure that uh, leadership is really at the forefront. And I think that that's the most important thing. So I appreciate you for kind of articulating that it's not just about the beards per se. It's just really just downright leadership. And some of that discrimination that you mentioned um, or some of the um, the people that were held back because of those regs, um, do you think that will ever be rectified? Some of those folks that were, you know, void of the opportunities for public affairs and things like that. Do you think promotions and all that other stuff, is it kind of like, sorry guys, or do you think it'll ever be rectified? Yeah, I, uh, I, I wish we could go back and rectify it, but this is an issue that we're doing for the next generation. That is the hard, cold reality is that the change we make here will be for the next generation. It reminds me of uh, standing on the steps of the Eisenhower building right outside the West Wing last year for Black History Month. And President Biden and Vice President Harris came out to speak with us and take a photo. And uh, I remember Vice President Harris saying, just remember, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams. And your job is to be make sure that the next generation is your wildest dreams. And I think that's what it comes down to here is that we need to make sure that the next generation of military service members come into a more inclusive and a more non-discriminatory environment uh, than our our predecessors. So, you know, good on you for uh, wearing your hair in bulk. I think that's awesome. It's a good job leading. I, I would love to see more of that. I, in fact, I would invite a four-star general or a service secretary to grow a quarter-inch beard, which we've we've kind of we know it's a it's a good standard. The Secret Service uh, recently authorized quarter-inch beards for all their agents. A lot of the four-letter agencies do the same. 
a lot of uh, foreign militaries have professional beards. We know that at a quarter inch, you can have a professional looking beard that gets rid of all the medical conditions associated with shaving clothes. Um, I would love to see our senior leadership do that. And in fact, you know, I, I believe, I don't know if it's still the case, but I've heard that generals can, can modify. They're allowed one customization to the uniform. I would love to see this be a customization, right? To, to see a general officer say, you know what? I'm going to grow a beard and here's why. I want to end the stigma. <laughs> I want to change the culture and I want to send a clear message that this is okay for everybody. Wow. That that would be huge. That would be huge. I want to, you mentioned something about other countries. Um, to my knowledge, I, I did a, a quick search uh, a couple of weeks ago. I believe that we are actually the only country uh, that has a military that's not uh, allowed to wear beers just across the board, of course, without waivers, you know, and things like that. Um, I've also seen in a previous service school uh, that I was attending as I walked down the hall and you have all of the oil paintings and hand-painted mm. pictures of all the previous leaders. And, you know, in the earlier years, I saw a whole bunch of beards. And it's just mm. like you mentioned with Napoleon. Mm. And uh, it seems to me that those leaders were very successful and they were able to do some great things, even with a bearded face. And so it seems to me that it's not a barrier, which brings me to my next point. You've been on a lot of panels. You've done a lot of research You've got a lot of connections with the medical community with regard to this subject. Can we go ahead and debunk the uh, debunk the, the 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 theory now that uh, beards will hinder a proper gas gas mask uh, fit? Because that was part of the justification uh, a while back that you couldn't get a proper seal on your gas mask if you had facial hair and things like that. Is that is that a thing? Yeah. So. Gas masks came about in World War I and World War II, and there was a real threat. Chemical warfare was a real thing back then. Um, fast forward to today, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. First off, you know, the, the intelligence community puts out a threat assessment every year. It talks about the threats. And chemical warfare is not among the top issues right now. Is it a... a a remote possibility out there, absolutely. Um, but is it something that's imminent? Uh, I don't see it. So regardless, it's important. We need to be a ready force and we need to be able to deter our enemies. So that includes addressing any threat, including gas masks. And I think gas masks, the theory of that is important. But what I'll say is this, generally speaking, when we hear gas masks used in the discussion for beards, it is used as a red herring and as a distraction. And here's why. There was a recent study in, in 2018 that showed that 98% of people can seal with a gas mask if they have a, an eighth of an inch beard. And this was a mask very similar to the military ones. The masks of, of World War I and World War II are nothing like the masks today. The technology is, has advanced tremendously. And so we know from many testimonials and many many um, unofficial data points that people can seal. They go, they take their test with the beard and they achieve the full seal. Um, is the seal as great as a clean shaven person? No, the be absolute best seal you're gonna get is gonna be clean shaven. But 
to use that as an excuse to not authorize beards and to allow the sort of secondary discrimination to happen, I think is also wrong. I think we can get to a more nuanced position where if I'm going into a place where there's a high threat of chemical warfare, then I'm clean shaven because, you know, it takes me far less time to grab a razor and shave than it does for me to go get issued a gas mask. None of us have access to that on a daily basis. So this is not something that's a pressing urgent threat that we need to all be clean shaven at any moment. It's not. And then there are people with faces that, you know, simply aren't conducive to, to gas mask seal. There, there are many different reasons you could not get a, a perfect seal. Um, and then on top of that, you've seen the pictures of special forces operating downrange with beards in high threat locations continually, right? There are many places we go, there's not enough water to shave. Where you're out in the field, it's just not going to work. And so I, 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 I remember talking to a senior leader about this issue unofficially. I reached out to him on LinkedIn, a very senior enlisted leader. And he said, this has nothing to do with readiness. He said, gas masks aren't a concern. He said, this is simply about professionalism. And that's where we start to have problems because we're saying professionalism is clean shaven. Professionalism is okay for the European clean shaven standard, which is where it originated from. And everyone else conform, even if your your hair uh, or your 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 skin doesn't allow for it. We're inducing a problem. We're inducing a condition that has an easy fix and that has been demonstrated as an easy fix by many other reputable organizations. And that's to go to a quarter inch beard for all, unless you have a, a medical um, exception for longer hair, for whatever reason, maybe an injury to the face, or you have a religious accommodation that would allow for an even longer beard. This is good. I have these discussions often and, uh, uh, and uh, sometimes they're with people that completely uh, have different perspectives than I have, which is okay because that's how we all grow as long as we're willing to hear each other and listen uh, to each other and just try to understand the other person's viewpoints. I think it's great because uh, not too long ago in one of my office environments, I had the discussion about recruiting and retention and things like that. And I was like, you know, the Air Force, Marine Corps, whomever it may be, it's going to have to change if we want to help with this recruiting attention, th retention thing. And, you know, one of the comments was, well, you know, we keep focusing on these things, you know, meanwhile, China's over here doing X, Y, and Z, so on and so forth. Well, pretty soon, we're just going to have either a, a, a service um, where we don't have enough people to fight our adversaries um, or, you know, we're going to have, which is the other perspective I received, uh, we're going to have uh, a bunch of people in the military with extremely low standards. And I just think that it's uh, disheartening sometimes to think that um, altering standards to make it more conducive for more people to serve is being viewed as a lower quality of service members. And I think that's kind of where uh, I have a little bit of concern with some of the thinking of uh, our leaders that are out there. Um, with that, um, we've seen changes. We, As you mentioned, we've seen positive changes. Um, I think we have to, you know, as I mentioned before, we've had changes with the colors of the uh, tennis shoes that we can wear when we do physical training. 
and we've had changes with being able to have your t-shirt out of your PT shorts, um, you know, while you're running, so you're not trying to keep it tucked in. We've had changes with, you know, AirPods, being able to wear them when you're, you know, traveling or, or something like that in uniform. We've seen the uh, the, the the women's uh, standards be adjusted to allow them to wear ponytails because it was attributed to headaches and hair loss, and it was a strong fight. But you know, ultimately, it got changed. Having said all that, do you think uh, flat out that standards will ever change? Uh, not just for religious accommodations, not just for folks that have medical conditions. Do you think beards will ever be allowed across the board within our United States military? Yeah, short answer is yes. And I'll tell you why. But I just to double back, I think you had mentioned that we're the only country that doesn't allow beards. There are a number of other countries that that do require their members, their military members to be clean shaven. OK, I would say many of our allies like the UK, Canada, France, Germany, um, uh, even our one of our close partners, Saudi Arabia, Norway, Italy, and Belgium. These are all examples of countries that allow beards. And and I go to school here in Amman, Jordan, every day with uh, people from a, a, a significant number of countries in the region and and around the world. And there are a lot of beards, uh, and and everybody looks professional. The other thing is is when you talk about quality and and hey lowering standards to recruit i'm not sure it's about it's a quality issue i think it's more of a propensity to serve issue you may have quality people out there that don't want to serve in the military and so how do you increase that propensity to serve and i think this is one of those issues that get rid of a barrier that may be stopping some people from from joining because they they don't they don't see themselves or or they see a career where they're going to be harassed maybe for their uh, their facial hair. So do I think it will be allowed? I hope it will be allowed. And I think the answer is yes. I think we can get there. I think the generation's changing. The old guard is strong, but the old guard is also changing. You know, we had um, the last two chief mass stars of the Air Force have been supportive of this, both publicly. Uh, in fact, Chief Bass put out a, a great memo to the force last year on this issue, which really helps to reduce the stigma. I don't think it's completely taken it away, but it's it's a huge, huge assist. And I've heard from airmen that, that we're really happy about that. Um, but if you look further back, there's a there's an older Chief Master in the Air Force who I won't name, but I think it's important to to share what he said, which is, He was at a big enlisted conference uh, that a lot of people saw, and he was sitting up on a panel and felt comfortable saying his grandmother grew a beard and he stopped talking to her. In other words, everyone in the military with beards, feel free to stop talking to them, right? That's kind of the impression. You're You're not part of us. And that I have a problem with. So I think while we've made many, many positive changes, you know, the Air Force Honor Guard now allows beards, First Sergeant Academy allows beards. There's been a lot of career field updates. Um, you're seeing a lot more pictures of airmen with beards in public affairs and media engagements. Um, a waiver is still a waiver. So it sends the message that I don't meet or, or exceed standards. And, and this is used by 
leaders in Air Force today to to downgrade someone or say, you know, you can't go for the award because you don't exceed standards or no, you can't get this certain rating on your report because you're on a waiver. So by virtue of you being on a waiver, you can't exceed standards. You may be able to meet them, but I'm not going to give you an exceed. Hmm. And and that means we are not there yet. We need a we need a brave and courageous leader in the services to step up and say yes to this. This is a decision that each service can make. Each service owns their own uniform policies. And so while you're here a lot of times, well, this needs to be a joint force decision. The ponytails wasn't a joint force decision. One service stepped up first and everyone else quickly jumped on board. We need a service to step up and say, hey, you know what? We're going to do the right thing. We're going to, we're going to allow beards. We're going to do the quarter inch. We're going to let leaders lead at every level. Yeah, we might have a few airmen that, that try to take advantage of it, but that's what leadership's all about. And we're going to allow people to lead at each level, at the lowest level, but we're going to get rid of the stigma. We're mm-hmm. going to do the right thing. And, and um, the other thing I'll say is, is beards in a, war, in a cold environment actually advance readiness because it keeps you warmer. And so for men, especially, um, I won't go into the medical part of it, but there's some reasons why men sometimes have lower immune systems. Having a beard that warms the throat may be, may be important in certain uh, weather conditions around the world. And in hand-to-hand combat, we all know a beard can absorb, absorb blows to the chin and absorb some of that impact. So that could also be another reason from a readiness standpoint to allow it. This is uh this has been awesome. Um, I was going to ask you if you had any closing thoughts, um, just for those that may be listening, those that may be hoping one day that this standard will change, uh, maybe to the decision makers, whomever you want to address it to, do you have any closing thoughts to, um, just kind of leave us with before we wrap it up. Yeah, sure. This is not a draft force. This is not your Vietnam Air Force. This is not about hygiene. This isn't about lazy military service members. As you know, with your hair, it takes more work to maintain more hair. There's a reason I I shave clean and I don't have a mustache because I've had a mustache and it takes a lot of work to maintain it. And so I actually like taking the easier path, which is to be clean shaven. So those who have beards, we need to understand that they're hardworking, that it's not easy to maintain a beard. Um, we need to understand that we have amazing people coming into our military because they want to come in, not because they need to. And we need to create an environment that's as inclusive and welcoming as possible for these awesome people. We say people are our most important resource. We hear that at every level. So let's put our money where our mouth is on that and let's get this done. Let's get to a quarter inch professional beard standard. No ifs, ands, or buts and all these, you know, distractors that we hear like fashion. This is a fashion problem or airmen are just lazy or, or people want to be hipsters or the, the famous skinny jeans quote, you know, let's get past these stereotypes. Let's, let's authorize a professional standard that includes everyone and get back to focusing on performance um, and, and get rid of this artificial barrier. This doesn't have anything to do with discipline. So I, I encourage our leaders to lead boldly, to bring back beards, and I think we'll be in a better place uh, and able to better focus on the mission. 
Very nice. Thank you for closing us out with that. Um, it resonates with me and I hope that it resonates with those that may be listening, uh, those that may be watching. Before I wrap up the show, I have to end, as I always do, with a very quick game of what do you prefer? It is a 10 question quick round of what you, your preferences are. Are you ready to play along with us? Yeah, sure. Let's go. All right. We're going to change the subject just a little bit. So I'm going to throw these questions out at you. Number one, would you rather win the lottery or land your dream job? Land my dream job. Number two, test the waters or dive in the deep end? Test the waters. Test the waters. Number three, glass half full or glass half empty? Glass half full. Number four, ketchup or ranch? What's that? Ketchup or ranch? Which condiment do you ranch? prefer? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, ketchup. Ketchup it is. Number five, night or morning? Morning. Number six, passenger or driver? I like to drive, for sure. Okay. Number seven, city or countryside? Mm, I like both. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to choose. Number eight, lose sleep or skip a meal? Skip a meal. Sleep, Number, is, so sleep is important. I'll tell you what, if you're sleeping, you won't know you're hungry. <laughs> Number nine, shopping online or shopping in the store? Mm, man. Uh, shopping. <laughs> Just shopping in general. <laughs> Final question. Number 10, would you rather start work late or leave work early? Leave early. Leave early, more time with the family. Thanks for playing along with us on, on that. What do you prefer? But more importantly, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about a very prevalent issue uh, that has been ongoing for quite some time. And we hope that it won't be ongoing for much longer. But we really appreciate you for sharing your well-informed perspective, uh, not just your, your, your emotions or your opinions about it, but you came with some, some factual data uh, and really kind of cased it around just leadership as a whole. It's bigger than beards. And I learned a lot uh, just from talking with you today. And so I just want to say thank you for spending some time with us on Simsation Nation. Yeah. Hey, and thank you as well uh, for giving me a platform to speak on a really important issue to a lot of our airmen and military service members. And uh, I hope that that we do have some change coming in the future. But if not, uh, we can all do our part to to reduce the stigma and to continue to raise awareness uh, on this issue and to to bring home the point that beards are and can be professional no matter who the person is. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it right here on Simsation Nation. Whether you agree, disagree, indifferent, this is a very important topic. And we hope that this conversation continues to happen until we get to an answer that is suitable for all members of the United States military. Thank you again, Colonel Dear Beloved, for coming on to join us here on Simsation Nation. And until next time, I'm out. 